Laden, thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited to chat with you. And Laden, when, when I was going through your background, so you, I was reading some pretty incredible stuff. So you're currently a PhD student at the University of Florida. You speak six languages. You've been to over 100 countries. And you're also the host of this awesome podcast, the Neural Implant Podcast, which is the best podcast in the world about brain machine interfaces. And I, I think I saw in a note, you said it's the only podcast in the world about that. So incredible backgrounds. Uh, is there anything else that, that you want to add that, you know, just, just about how uh, all this got started or, or your general interest in BCIs? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And um, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think now there are other podcasts about this, but they're not specifically about brain computer interfaces, but, but it's kind of adjacent and I've helped, I've helped launch them as well. So it's actually friends in the industry as well. But yeah, my interest in the field started 10, 15 years ago, something like this. I was doing my undergrad at University of Utah. There's a company, as you may know, BlackRock Microsystems, and they, they manufacture at the time was the only FDA approved. Uh, brain computer interface, a brain implant. And uh, so I interned there, I, I worked with them and everything like this. And, and uh, I kind of realized, I, and then I went off to do other things. And I realized that this is just something that was, uh, you know, I guess you could say implanted in my brain. I couldn't really uh, shake the idea and, and other ideas came and went, you know, maybe didn't last more than a year, but this idea of like, you know, improving uh, the, the interfaces uh, stuck with me for, for years. And I'm just like, okay, I think I need to do this. I think I need to do research on it. I can't, I can't, you know, go work somewhere because I feel like I need to go do research on this, uh, this vexing problem. So yeah, that's where I am. Amazing. So, so what was that initial spark? Because, Brain machine, or sorry, brain computer interfaces are are um, pretty niche today, and especially you know your podcast started six years ago. Your interest in BCI started what ten years ago. So how how did you initially even under, like learn about BCIs, and what was that spark that you're like, wow, I'm obsessed with this? Yeah, so it really was me being at the company. I mean, I, I did like an internship or like a work study thing in a clean room, you know, basically a nanofabrication uh, lab. And then there, that facility was being used by this company, BlackRock Microsystems. And it was really through them. And, you know, like the founder of the company or, or whatever was teaching one of my classes. And uh, I, I didn't know about all this stuff. And, and uh, basically what they've done um, in paralyzed patients that uh, can't move their arms and legs. You know, they, they implant this in the brain, they do brain surgery, they put this in this device and it's a very small, you know, I don't know, five millimeter by five millimeter device. Uh, it can fit on, you know, the head of Lincoln in on a penny. And it's kind of this bed of nails thing that they, you know, launch into the launch of the brain. And uh, each of those nails, you know, can, can read a neuron. And, and from that, they're able to decode, you know, what the person wants to do. So they can put it in the motor cortex, sensory cortex. So either they, you can have it control like a robotic arm or, you know, feel what the robotic arm is doing. Since then, people have been implanted and they, uh, one guy was able to fist bump President Obama, you know, at the time and, and uh, he was able to feel it. So I thought that was really cool. And, and, uh, but the issue there was that 
these devices wouldn't last very long. So after about a year or maybe two, they'd kind of, you know, degrade and they'd fall apart and the body was just attacking it. So this is, this is kind of how I learned it. But yeah, it was, it was basically me, you know, I guess I was in a very privileged position that others didn't really, you know, have. And, and, you know, it's not very well marketed, I guess. And because it is still, you know, I mean, I think, I think BlackRock, they've implanted like 20 people. So it's not like tens of thousands, like cochlear implants, you know, for, for deaf people or like pacemakers or something like this. So it's really not in the the public consciousness just yet. Okay. So this is something that we spoke about right before we, right right before we started recording, but there's brain computer interface and brain machine interface, BCI, BMI. What do you prefer and, and why? Yeah, so those those terms are interchangeable and you can see both of them in the, you know, same scientific paper. I personally prefer brain computer interfaces cuz it sounds a little bit fancier, a little bit like more high tech, you know, machine to me it can be like a hydraulic piston, you know, kind of harvester combine kind of thing versus computer is like, you know, a little bit more sleek or something like this. But yeah, I mean, if you use both, I'm not going to like flinch or anything like this. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so can you explain what is a BCI? Yeah, so basically, uh, it's an interface. Uh, so it's brain-computer interface. It's an interface between the brain and a computer. Uh, so basically, being able to output whatever information is going on in the brain and have that go into a computer. Maybe it's decoded in the computer and sent back into the brain. Uh, so it's it's can, it, it can be bidirectional, and um, you know just a super basic primer on the brain. Uh, brain is composed of neurons, which are brain cells, and they they work with electricity. They send signals between each other uh, via electricity, essentially. And so we can kind of intercept that. And again, with electricity, uh, basically metal, metal, you know, electrodes, metal plugs, uh, surfaces, and, and you can pick up that that electricity and, and see, kind of listen in. You know, the, the analogy with microphones is, is very apt. It's, it's a very good analogy. So basically, you can think almost like you have a microphone and you're kind of listening between a conversation between two people. And uh, then you, you try to scale that up to to more people. And maybe it's like a cocktail party or something like this. And and you're trying to figure out what kind of conversations are going on, who's talking about what and all this. And, and then you have a computer decoding that. So, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned pacemakers and uh, cochlear implants. Like in my mind, VCIs are very um, like Neuralink, you know, that they're kind of a little more, uh, not advanced, but a little more sexy. Is a pacemaker and a a cochlear implant, are those technically VCIs? No, because it's not in in the brain, uh, brain computer interface. I mean, neural implant, uh, that's why I call mine the neural implant podcast. For a long time, I was just like, man, what am I going to call? I want to encompass everything. I don't want to only do BCIs. Yeah, I mean, I think that could be a neural implant. And and they both work on, you know, electrical signals sending into the nerves and into neurons. Case of a pacemaker, it's, it's literally like stimulating, you know, the, the muscles uh, via electricity. And so then they contract. And the cochlea, it's, it's literally, you know, stimulating stimulating the, I don't know, the right nerves in the, in the cochlea to, you know, output sound, uh, albeit at a, you know, lower quality and lower bit rate and everything. I guess it's, it's harder to, to find, but, but yeah, they're, they're basically crude approximations of what the, the body's really good at. Okay, cool. So stri- strictly brain. So are there different types of BCIs? Yeah, so definitely there's, there's a basically invasive, non-invasive. There's a different levels of invasiveness. And so again, looking, going back to this, you know, microphone analogy, I mean, you can think about invasiveness. Uh, if you, if you're like a reporter or something like this, you could go in there and, and shove your microphone between two people having a conversation and, 
their conversation would probably change and, and they, they might not, uh, you know, be happy about that or something like this. So, so the brain is kind of the same way. You can also have the microphone kind of in a corner or something like this, not in between people or something like this. You, you'd be more on a, on a wall or something like this. And, and obviously that recording quality is going to be lower. So that first one, that's almost like an implantable, like what I was talking about, the, the BlackRock microsystems that's uh, implantable, that that's going to be, you know, very invasive. This other one would be more kind of like a ECOG is what it's called, electrocortic corticograph implant. And so this goes on the surface of the brain and it's listening in on the surface. But just like with the, the example of the, the cocktail party, you know, if you're, if you got a microphone on the edge, you might not necessarily be able to know what those middle people are talking about. And, and there's going to be a lot of noise and it's going to be hard. I mean, maybe with computers, you can, you can kind of distinguish like two conversations or something like this, but beyond that, it's going to be very difficult uh, to make things out. And it's going to be just, yeah, like a lot of noise. And then, you know, there's wearable ones where don't require any implantation. You can literally wear it like a baseball cap or something like this. And uh, that'd be almost like having the microphone outside of the room. And as you can imagine, it'd be like muffled. And you really, you would have a very, very difficult time, especially if there's, you know, let's say a hundred people in the room, um, then it'd be very hard to distinguish who's talking to who about what, and maybe their emotions are like kind of the, the way that they're talking. So the brain is kind of the same way, but let's scale up from a hundred people to, you know, a hundred billion <laughs> neurons. And you can imagine how much, how much harder that is. Wow. Okay. So, so broadly it's two types. It's invasive, non-invasive, the non-invasive will kind of sit on your head. And uh, as you mentioned, it's a little less signal right now, or in terms of the accuracy, do you think that over time, that way, I'm sure it probably has, but do you think that over time it'll improve like immensely where uh, potentially most people that are interacting with BCIs will be using non-invasive? Or do you think that the that there's just too many barriers and the technology is improving, but not enough where it'll ever beat the invasive? Yeah, so... You, you know, as a technologist, you, you surely know about Moore's law, basically the doubling of computer power every one and a half. And then it got changed to every two years. And this is really what's driving forward a lot of the electronics industry. This is why we get, you know, significantly better computers every few years, significantly better phones. There is something similar in neurotech. And uh, it was a paper published. It's called Stevenson's Law now. And essentially, it's the dub doubling of the number of electrodes every seven years. So not every two years. It's a much slower you know, cycle. But basically, it's yeah, it's every seven years. Basically, with more channels, you're able to, to find more individual neurons. Uh, between invasive and non-invasive, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's kind of like going to this, going to this analogy of, you know, maybe, maybe let's, let's scale this up to, to the sound of a stadium. You know, like if, if you have a microphone on the outside of a stadium, do you think you could ever hear a conversation between two people, uh, in the stadium while, you know, let, while a game's going and maybe they're, they're, everybody's cheering. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great touchdown. And then somebody's talking, you know, like, Hey, what, what should we have for dinner? I think, I think it's a very difficult thing. And I would imagine it's, it's probably impossible. So I think there are limits and, but at the same time, you might not need to know what two people are talking, hey, what's going to be for dinner? You know, maybe all you need to hear is the cheers and a, with touchdown uh, or, you know, somebody made a goal or something like this. Maybe you don't need to hear that the minutia, the the coarse things are, you know, good enough. And uh, on the other hand, if you're, if you wanted to control it, you could just be like somehow, you know, tell everybody in the stadium, like, hey, don't cheer anymore or, or something like that, you know, and, and if, if it's causing a seizure or something like this, and you could, you could basically, you know, tamp things down or calm things down or something like this. So you might not need to have the individual, you know, neuron level or even synaptic level, like the actual individual connecting, you know, uh, bundles between neurons. I mean, 
potentially you may need to go down to that level or, or maybe not. And, and I'm kind of thinking, yeah, probably not for, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of uh, use cases. It, it's, it's probably not necessary, but, but yeah, I mean, it depends. Like there's a cost benefit too. Uh, and, and potentially if it becomes as easy as a, well, for, you know, women giving birth, like an epidural, like, okay, that's not pleasant, but it's also not like, oh, brain surgery, let's crack open your skull and, and uh, you know, let's put something in. But if it could be like needle-based or something like this, it could be a much a smaller ask and it could be much more realistic and it, it could still be it could still be implantable and, and high, high fidelity. Very cool. Okay, so you said um, the, the number of electrodes are doubling every seven years. You said Stevens Law, I believe? Stevens, Stevenson, I think. Stevenson Stevenson Law. Law. Why, why do we care about the number of electrodes? What, what does that indicate? Is that like the number of receptors that can pick up the signals from your brain or what, what does that mean? Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, individual addressable channels. It's almost like, uh, go back to the cocktail analogy, it's like, how many conversations can you pick up? Can you pick up like one conversation? Can you pick up 100 conversations? Can you pick up 1000? And so obviously, to have more data, it, it's always better to have more data. It's always easy to throw it out later and uh, be like, Oh, we don't need this rather than just not having it. Uh, so so basically, it, it allows you to more uh, fine tune, you know, what what you your inputs are. And for a lot of stuff like this BlackRock uh, implantable array that I was talking about for the paraplegics, the more individually addressable channels that you have, the more degrees of freedom, the more movement motions you can make. And so you can have, uh, for example, instead of like having an arm, you know, that just moves at the, the elbow or something like this, you could have wrist motion, finger motion. And so, for example, if you had maybe, I don't know, a thousand neurons or something like this, maybe you could, maybe you could, uh, restore like almost full, you know, hand function. And, and I mean, if you think about it, the hands are very sensitive. They, they feel, uh, you, you could tell the difference between, you know, a, a pressure on your pinky, uh, tip, uh, finger pad versus, you know, lower down or heat or, or pressure. Uh, so, so basically you'd be able to have more, I guess, fidelity and, and, you know, have more channels and, and more almost like, like music, you know, again, to this audio example, it, it'd be like hearing something in higher quality or, or like on the, on a telephone or something like that. So what, what are BCIs used for today? And what do you think they'll be used for going forward? Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, the BlackRock, uh, Microsystems, they, they've implanted, you know, 20 people or something like this. And that's, that, that's a very, you know, kind of experimental, uh, side of things. Uh, what they are more commonly used for right now is something called deep brain stimulation or, um, a lot of times they can be used for epilepsy. So deep brain stimulation is good for, or is being currently used for movement disorders. So like Parkinson's, uh, tremor, uh, and basically what they do, they, they put in, essentially a pacemaker lead into, into deep into the brain. That's why it's called deep brain stimulation, like very, I don't know, kind of like the ear level, like the center of the brain pretty much. And what they found is that by stimulating this, it kind of calms down a lot of the, the neurons and, and the kind of erratic uh, behavior that might be going on. And so in the case of like a Parkinson's or, or a central tremor, it, it calms down, you know, the, the shaking. And so people can, walk again, or they can, you know, write or eat, you know, stuff in a spoon without like shaking the soup out of the spoon or something like this. And it's, it's nearly instantaneous. Like literally you turn it on, boom, within like two seconds, 
they they stop shaking. It, it, this is live today. This is real. This today. is live today. Yes, and it's it's very common. I I don't know how many people have uh, been implanted. Let's call it on the order of a hundred thousand. So this is oh, much wow. much bigger. Yeah, and actually, okay. I'm I'm very lucky here at the University of Florida in in Gainesville, North Florida. Uh, we have two very uh, you know expert uh, leading researchers slash you know neurosurgeons slash neurologists that that do this kind of stuff, and they do some of the best work uh, in in the world here. So so I have that you know right right in my corner. And, uh, it's, it's amazing. And I've, I've sat in on the surgeries and yeah, it's, you know, day and night. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. So, so mainly today, healthcare related, uh, you know, use cases, what other healthcare related use cases are actually happening now today? Cause I, I had no idea there's a hundred thousand people that, that have been treated, treated with this. When, what do you call it? Do you call it like a, this deep brain stimulation? Okay. So I, I had no idea there's such a large amount. And are there other use cases in, in the medical field that people are using deep brain stimulation or BCIs for? So don't quote me on the hundred thousand. I don't. Okay. I don't know. Uh, oh, it could be more, it could more be than twenty. More than oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like thousand to me. I would. I would. I'd buy you like ten drinks or something like this. Yeah. If it was less than a thousand, I'd be just. I'd be completely shocked. Right. Maybe it's between the ten and twenty thousand. I would cool. call it. That that's a big one. Uh, there's there's a lot for the the surface of the brain, and they they're good for you know seizures and preventing seizures, uh, preventing seizures, not causing seizures. <laughs> uh, but what they're finding actually is that deep brain stimulation can have other uses as well. It's not just the Parkinson's uh, because it is uh, affecting such deep, you know, kind of primordial areas of the brain, it can, it can affect a lot of other things. So a big thing that they're finding is that it can affect uh, addiction. So you can really reduce addiction levels, which might even, you know, encompass like obesity and, and stuff like this. So uh, it can, it can have a lot of, you know, far reaching, you know, effects that, that we're just learning about. I think only the Parkinson's and, and essential tremor are approved right now in FDA. Uh, and this other stuff is, is uh, maybe it's used being used off label right now, but it is being studied. And, and so this is, this is a huge, uh, this is a huge field, this, this deep brain stimulation. It's, in, it's insane. It's, it sounds like it's almost like magic, right? Which, you know, everyone says good technology is similar to magic or, or like indistinguishable from magic. I'm surprised that it's not like, I haven't heard about this that much, right? I've heard bits, bits and pieces here and there, but the fact that this is not a, a something, something that people are like shouting from the rooftops is kind of surprising. Is there a reason for that? Like, is the cost like pretty insane or, or why, why do you think it's not a more well-known, um, kind of solution. Yeah, it is quite expensive. I mean, obviously, if you're at this level and you have a obvious, you know, uh, health condition or something like this, then insurance will pay for it. But uh, it is on the order of $100,000 to have implanted. Uh, so it's not cheap. You know, obviously, you know, neurosurgeons cracking open your skull and putting something in. So there's a lot of costs around that surgical staff and, and, you know, the actual device and everything like this. And then another thing too, I think it's kind of invisible. So you wouldn't necessarily know like a cochlear implant, you know, you have the little thing around the ear so you can kind of see that. Uh, but if you, if somebody has this, it's, it's all internal. And so it's, it's maybe they have a lead, they have like a wire going from their skull into uh, like a chest cavity by the clavicle, you know, underneath the shoulder uh, where they have like a, a battery and, you know, pulse generator, kind of the computer of it. And so this is all internal. So unless, you know, you're seeing somebody swimming or, you know, without their shirt on or clothes on or something like this, 
you wouldn't necessarily know. And then still it'd be like a little bit of a, a bump or something like this. Uh, and it, it's usually for older people. I mean, Parkinson's is, is a, I, I think of it as, you know, like kind of a sixties and above age range, but I think it's also not as big. Like I think it's an order of magnitude or two smaller than pacemaker, smaller than, you know, cochlear implants. And I don't know about you, but actually I don't, think I know anybody with a pacemaker. I've never really seen, I don't think I've ever seen somebody with a pacemaker. So it, it's kind of along this level. I mean, I guess I've heard about people having it on TV or stuff like this, but yeah. So I, I think that's why it's, it's kind of invisible. Very interesting. Okay. So how, how do they get the body? Cause you know, from my very, I, I don't, I don't know anything. Right. But my understanding is that the body will fight foreign objects. Right. So if you're putting in a piece of metal, uh, how does a body not attack that or like kind of try to destroy it? Yeah. So this is, this is my, uh, PhD actually oh, I'm, no way. I'm making Perfect. devices and, and fabrication methods and everything like this, that, that prevents that or either can survive it or make it invisible to the body. So the body doesn't see it as a threat, or if it does see it as a threat that, that the device can withstand it. And, uh, yeah, cause, cause the, the body is extremely, extremely, it's a very, I don't know, corrosive environment or very aggressive environment for, for materials. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend and he has a, he has an Airbnb on the beach, you know, and, and he was showing me the doorknobs. He had to like change out the doorknobs because the sea air, the salty sea air after a year or two would like disintegrate this, the doorknobs. Uh, and, and so it's pretty And, and the body is way worse than that. Like, and it's actively trying to attack things. So you could, you can imagine how, how, uh, bad things get or you know those materials have to be uh very very robust i guess something that they they found and, and something that i i believe is that if you make things small enough that also reduces the uh foreign body response oh, is what weird. it's called and so if it, if it becomes it's usually below i think about 10 microns eight microns i like to call it biological invisibility so t 10 microns like is that like a red blood cell or is that significantly yeah. smaller than a, than a blood cell it's it's uh on the order of a red blood cell and, and smaller so on, on my theory my pet theory that's not you know backed by anything is that this is because there's not really anything in nature that would physically there. I mean, obviously viruses are much smaller, but, and, and that would be like kind of a biological thing that, that it would be fighting against, but like physically like a splinter or something like this, or, you know, whatever wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. be that small and be causing problems. So that, that's my pet theory, not really based on anything, but yeah, I think what they found is like things really calm down the inflammatory response, inflammation around it really uh, calms down the smaller it is. And the softer that the device is, is also, softer. uh, yeah. So, so you can think about like metal or, uh, silicon like glass is very stiff material. Uh, but something like a, like a gel or, uh, you know, like a plastic is, is much softer. And that's you, also you wrap something. a piece of metal in gel or it yeah. has to the whole, okay. Okay. A lot of people have done that, but that's also like, you know, how do you put it in? Because then the gel will like come yeah. off. And so essentially you're trying to put uh, a good way that people, uh, describe this as you're trying to put wet spaghetti into jello. Jello is the brain, nice. wet spaghetti yeah. is the ideal electrode. And you know, how do you do that? That's that, like, how do you sew in or how do you, how do you eventually get the wet spaghetti? And then you're trying not to damage Jello at all. So it's a very, it's a difficult problem. Wow. Okay. So, and the battery packs, these are also in the body or these are outside the body. And how long, you know, how, how long does the charge last, I guess? Yeah. I mean, just like other batteries, I mean, you can buy double A batteries that are non-rechargeable. You can buy them that, that are rechargeable. Uh, I, I know that pacemakers, I think they last like 10, 15 years, wow. you know, and, and, uh, but these are, these are bigger things. These are, uh, 
man, what would you call it? Like a deck of cards, maybe, maybe kind of the size, maybe it's a little bit like cut out the edges or something, maybe rounded or something like this, but you can think about it like the size of a deck of cards. And these are the, also the deep brain stimulation. They use like the same battery packs. And, uh, I think they, they last, those batteries last like a decade or something like this. And I think they, they're even like radioactive isotopes or something like this. And, and I, I don't know, I, th I think I'm making that up, but, you know, there's also rechargeable ones. And so you can wear some kind of like cap and maybe you, maybe you have to wear it once a day and, and then it recharges it. Uh, they're also okay, working. So it's, it's wire. It's a, you can do wireless charging. You can also do wireless charging. Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's like, it's like electronics, you, right. like everything, everything that exists there, it exists here. So, so you can have the, the non-rechargeable double A's. You can have the, the rechargeable double A's that you plug in. You can have the wireless charging. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can also have just batteryless devices that, that work off of, you know, like an electric field. So it, you just always, if you want to use the device, then, then you have to be wearing the, the special hat and, or special whatever cover. And in that case, I mean, it's, it's a uh, consistent or something like this, but at the same time you, you are able to save a lot of volume and size by not having to have the battery pack. And, and obviously like having a battery pack again, back to electronics, it can leak, it can potentially explode, you know, it, it can get hot and everything like this. So, so these are all things that you don't necessarily want happening inside your body. All right. So, so whenever some medical use cases, what are some other non-medical use cases that are maybe not even, I, I actually don't know if there's any non-medical use cases today. Uh, if there are any, we'd, we'd love to hear about that. And then I guess looking towards the future, where do you see BCIs going in terms of like people using them? Yeah. I mean, non-medical use cases. I mean, I guess maybe that addiction talk, I mean, that, that could be considered like a non, uh, non-medical use. Like, I don't really know somebody be like, man, I really got to play, you know, slot machines. I don't think insurance would be like, oh, great. We'll, we'll pay for that, you know, pay for a device that would be maybe a non-critical need. There is, so, so we've been focusing on BCIs, brain computer interfaces. There are also, uh, uh, PNIs, peripheral nerve interfaces. So this, you know, as you know, that the brain has lots of nerves coming off of it. And, uh, this is, this is also so huge. So you don't have to necessarily crack open the skull. You can just crack open, I don't know, some kind of other nerve, you know, in, in the arm or something like that and, and do a much smaller surgery. And, and, you know, to me that that's also like a much easier ask is like, Hey, let's, let's put something in the nerve of your, your arm. Uh, and that'll read things. Uh, so that, that's very promising. And there's something called uh vagus nerve stimulation, V E G A S that is, is very promising in the vagus nerve innervates lots of organs in the body too. And what they're finding is that you can get a lot of almost like pharmaceutical effects by stimulating and, and even reading uh, this nerve, which uh, is, is quite easy to access. And so people are saying like, could we, you know, bypass insulin, you know, like injections, we can just have the pancreas pancreate, secrete, you know, uh, insulin and, and do it like that, just, just with a neural stimulator or, you know, all along the the line of of the vagus nerve stimulator. That's crazy. That, that, that's insane. So it can literally replace like medicine. That's that was the promise. That was a promise. So it's right. about 10, 15 years ago that that's what they were doing. Uh, what they found is that it's much more complicated because mm -hmm. this is like a, such a big nerve bundle and it's going everywhere. Uh, if you stimulate it, you just, you know, you, you do a blanket stimulation. It, it affects everything downstream as well. So you can't be very targeted and be like, Hey, you, this section of, you know, this organ, I want you to do this thing. And so what they're also finding, I, I, I think again, pet theory is that they're not using enough channels it's not selective enough and they don't um 
really know how to stimulate it or what, what needs to be done. But, uh, and then what they found too is that combining pharmaceuticals and stimulation had like doubled the effect of just pharmaceuticals or stimulation. So I think like either pharmaceuticals or stimulation, they were about the same uh, efficacy, but then yeah, you basically double it. So, so that's what they found. Again, this was, this was a, a company called Galvani and uh, they were, you know, founded by Google and GSK GlaxoSmithKline, which is a, you know, uh, a pharmaceutical company. So I'm also not surprised that this was the the, the out- outcome. You know, I, I I can't imagine that the pharmaceutical company be like, "You're right. We don't need we don't need us. <laughs> We're out of a job. See you guys." <laughs> uh, but but I, I I do believe it. I I think it is I think it is uh, legitimate, and I think at some point you know it might be possible to completely eliminate all this stuff. But that to me is the most exciting thing. Is like, okay, what can pharmaceuticals do? And you know. What if we could do that instantaneously without any side effects, much safer, and there's no like global pharmaceutical chemical lingering going on and God knows what it's going to be doing. It's very, it's very targeted and you can turn it on and turn it off within seconds. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound, you know, like the ultimate like hype guy, but this seems like, you know, if we're already here today, you, you extrapolate this out 50 years or whatever, BCIs and PNIs, I believe you, you said, like, we're going to be able to do incredible, I- insane things that are saving us, making us live longer, healing all of our ailments. Um, and then also, we haven't even talked about like the metaverse, which is kind of like, you know, the, you know, my, my, my kind of arena, but which is that's, that's more like fun recreation. It seems like too, too good to be true. It's, this has been going on for 20, 20, 30, 40 years that this research and, and whatnot. But what what is the, there's a lot of things to figure out. But how do you view that? It's almost like, wow, this is going to, solve all their problems. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is, it is a, uh, you know, very helpful, but uh, you know, going back to the Stevenson's law versus Moore's law, I think that's kind of the, um, the gotcha moment, you know, it was like, okay, we, we, in electronics, we were used to doubling much faster. You know, we were doubling, what is that four times faster than, than this doubling? I mean, it's like, God, what is two to the fourth, uh, four, eight. So basically electronics is going like 16 times faster than, than this, because this is such, so much more multidimensional. You, you got biology that you're working with. You have computation, you have material science. Um, you have the FDA, you got regulatory bodies, like slowing things down. There was never any regulatory bodies for electronics be like, Hey, that's too many transistors on a chip. You guys got to slow down. Uh, so I think, I think that is the case. And I think it'll be like electronics too. It'll be like people in the fifties, they were having like, uh, artificial intelligent conferences that were going to be held over the weekend. And like, they thought they were going to solve artificial intelligence over a weekend. And, uh, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, oh, it's right around the corner. We just need, you know, oh, once we have a thousand transistors on a chip, that's going to be, it's going to be amazing. So and, and, and we're only just getting there now. Uh, so I think, I think the promise is there and, and we see what's on the horizon, but the horizon just might be farther along than, than we think. Uh, and, and we are going to get like incredible, you know, advancements and maybe things speed up. Maybe something was being held back and, and Stevenson's law goes from, you know, seven years to, to four years because, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have artificial intelligence now. I don't know. Uh, but, but I think it is, it is still a much slower process because it's much more, uh, multidimensional. But yeah, no, I agree. It, it's, it's magical and it can, it can plug into VR and, you know, you could literally the matrix. I mean, that, that's how. I started my, um, you know, introductory episode of the podcast is like, you could literally plug into the matrix and learn Kung Fu and all this kind of stuff. So, 
That's the promise. How far we are from that? <laughs> How many doublings <laughs> of electrode count do we need? I, I think we need a lot, but but it's there. It, it, it is real. So cool. Okay. So so yeah, this this seven year uh, doubling period is it is that an issue with I don't know like the actual atoms like making the actual uh, devices that can intercept these signals or what is the limiting factor there? Why can't we speed that up? Yeah, so that is again, it's it's a uh, it's multidimensional. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are slowing it down. Yeah, I mean, like if you think about a thousand of anything in something the size of you know Lincoln's head on a penny, uh, that's that's small. Those are like literally hairs that that you're talking about, uh, and and smaller than hairs. I mean, you could have a hundred of these on one one single hair, so that's huge. And then another thing is like, okay, you have these hairs. And you need to put them inside something. Again, back to the, the spaghetti and the jello thing. You have these tiny, tiny hairs that are extremely fragile, and you have to put it inside something. How do you do that? You know, and how do you protect it at the same time? Another thing is a uh, data transmission. So, you know, we're we're both talking on microphones. This is one channel. You know, let's say you have a thousand, a thousand microphones. Like, do you how do you how do you record that? Like, how do you connect that into one computer? And can it even, you know, handle that? Let's say 10,000 microphones in one computer. Like, I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know how 10,000 microphones, like 10,000 microphones might take up a whole room and they might just be like little lavalier lapel microphones or something like this. It gets pretty crazy. And I mean, you, you'd be burning, God, like gigabytes a second, you know, just, just because you're essentially using the same kind of codecs and frame or frame rates, but like audio encoding rates and, and bit rates and everything like this for, as you are with, like audio microphones. So again, this, this audio analogy is very apt. So yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like 10,000 microphones recording at once on one computer, you'd be burning. I don't know, like and then the, the, the data storage, like, okay, let's call it 10 gigabytes a second, man, that's, that's like stacks and stacks of, of hard drives that you'd be using every minute. And then maybe something's long-term, like some issue only crops up, pops up, you know, once a month or something like this, <laughs> you literally have warehouses full of hard drives that to, to find like one little aberration or something like this. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, th there could be more issues and, and, you know, if, if we talk longer, I, I could, I could mention more of them, but, but yeah, it's, it's again, it's multifaceted, which is, which is why I think it's being slowed down. So which company in the neurotech field are you personally excited about the most, or maybe, maybe there's a couple that you're really excited about. Cause you know, obviously I think a lot of people know Neuralink, from Elon, uh, Elon's company, and then a kernel, which is made by, um, I think the guy who started Braintree, which is that like payments provider. Brian Johnson um, so, is the, is the guy's name. Brian Johnson. Yep. So yeah, there's a couple of these companies that are, that are really exciting that I kind of know of, but I'm sure you know way more. What, 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 which company are you really excited about? Which company do you think is very legit and which, which others do you think are kind of less, uh, less exciting? So let's start with the, the elephant in the room, Elon's company, Neuralink. Uh, I really like it. I think they're doing great work. And from what I know, you know, researching literature and everything like this, they're using best practices and they have very good methods or, or very good approaches, I think. And so I think, uh, and then, and then again, you know, they're dealing with regulatory, FDA, everything like this. And I think they're doing well. I mean, Elon's kind of used to, uh, he he is used to regulatory, you know, the automobile and, and space sector and everything like this. But I think this is a this is a bigger beast. This is a a much slower thing. Oh, that's crazy! You're saying it's harder. It's more 
more regulatory burden than rockets. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I would say so because I mean, you're you're talking about putting something into a human long term, totally. and so there's knock on effects. You know that something exploding in the stratosphere doesn't. You know, like okay, yeah, that'll affect that could fall on you or something like this. But this could this could be inside thousands mm-hmm. of people, and maybe five years later, it's like it it falls apart and like cyanide comes out or something. I don't know. Like it, it could be, it could be pretty crazy, totally. but anyway, so, so I think they're doing a really, really good job and it is nice to have this kind of, I call it fire at your ass, you know, to, to push you and to motivate you. And I think they're been doing a really good job. Uh, Brian John, Johnson company, Colonel, I, I haven't heard too much. They, they kind of, they pivoted a few times, I believe, mm. and they're doing uh, kind of more of a wearable near infrared brain signal, you know, measurements. I don't think it's only measurements. I don't think they can do uh, stimulation. And then Brian Johnson also, he, he kind of, he's been doing a little bit of a health kick recently and, and he was, he was, uh, focusing on that, uh, from, from what it appeared. Another company, you know, BlackRock Microsystems, uh, the, that was the company that had implanted. They, they, they're doing good stuff. And then back to this, uh, electrodes, number of electrodes, uh, and number of channels, uh, conversation. I mean, the company to beat at this point is a company called Paradromics. And Paradromics. they have, I think they have one device that has 65,000 channels, whereas, you know, the, the BlackRock array has 100. And so they've just completely blown everybody else out of the water. Even Neuralink, I think, is only at 1,000 or something like this. And so... That doesn't even sound like real. It sounds like they're, like, making that number up. How How, how is that possible? I think it's like doublings, you know, I think 64, like 64 kilobits or something like this. I think that's, that's kind of along these, uh, along this line, but they use a different, uh, you know, manufacturing process and they, they use micro wires essentially. So their issue is that they can't really be too selective or too choosy where they put it. So it's, it's just kind of like, like a bed of nails or kind of this fuzzy, I don't know, pin cushion kind of thing, but uh, versus like a sniper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then that is, I mean, with 65,000 channels, like you can, you can pray, uh, spray and pray all day, you know, and, and, uh, uh it doesn't even matter. Even, even if only a hundred of those are, are grid, uh, it doesn't matter. So yeah, but they're, they're doing good work and they've been around for a while. And then there's a lot more other companies are doing the peripheral nerve or, you know, kind of this more, uh, therapeutic side. I think the ones that we mentioned, the Neuralink, Kernel, uh, BlackRock, and paradromics, they are more in the, um, let's call it matrix style, you know, interfacing with the brain, interfacing with the uh, sensory cortex or feeling or something like this. And then there's other companies that, that interface more with the, the deep brain and uh, they, they do more of this kind of therapeutic side versus like, I know Kung Fu side. All right. So thinking about just kind of the, not ramifications, but you know, there's a lot of people that might be listening to this and they're like, oh man, I'm freaked out. Like merging, you know, putting something in my brain or having a device connected to my body. That's so weird. What are your thoughts on, on just that, that concept of like man and machine kind of merging? And then, yeah, I, I mean, how, how do you, yeah. How, how do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think it's the progress of humans. I mean, we're, we're already bionic humans. There's not one of us that doesn't have a phone that we're glued to and, you know, unlock, I think it's like 40 times a day, 60 times a day, something like that. And, and look at, so I think this is just an extension of that, you know, even stuff like contact lenses that you, you put kind of in your body and, and you improve your body. Uh, 
I mean, it's not going to be, again, we're not going to have the matrix tomorrow. Uh, it's going to go in small things. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be starting with like a pacemaker. So somebody who's sick, you know, they, or has Parkinson's or something like this. Hey, do you want to have this thing implanted, uh, that has these capabilities that that's going to, you know, reduce your Parkinson's uh, symptoms? Yeah, sure. You know, and then, and then it'll kind of like ratchet up from there and then maybe a little bit more functionality with each thing. And, and it doesn't have to be everybody. I mean, we're not going to force you to, to get this. But if you, if you determine like, Hey, there's the cost benefit, the, the, the benefit is bigger than the cost, then, then that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, things are going to get crazy eventually. And, and, uh, we'll have, you know, maybe even super geniuses or something like this that, that can access, you know, all of Wikipedia at a, at a moment's notice. And then how does that, how do they, you know, interact with the, us, us normal peasants, you know, that, that, you know, have to remember stuff manually. I mean, there, there is kind of an inequality aspect too, but I think that, is it's it's not like a have and have not it's have and have later uh so it, it's just a question of, of of the timing of that but i don't know i don't I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried and and you know I, I i'd be fine with it like to to have my head cracked open right now to be able to tweet you know 20 percent faster no thank you i'm good but if there is something you know much more compelling than that uh then i might i might do it free of all disease forever sounds pretty pretty ideal you know yeah um so, so, so do you believe in the Neuralink vision of merging people with machines for the purpose of, of, I don't know if it's for the purpose of, but specifically around AI, so we can all become super intelligent? Is that something that you're, you're fond of, or what do you think? Well, I think, I think his, uh, Elon's vision or, or the reason was t- so that AI is nicer to us or like doesn't kill us as fast or something like this. I think that's a bit silly. I don't really understand that. Uh, AI is, is a tool, I think. And, and the, the, the thing with the AI is like, it doesn't have emotions. So, uh, that's, that's a weird, hard thing for us to grasp. But I think that that's the real, that's the big thing that, that changes things. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, that part's silly. But, uh, I think, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about that. Like, uh, a writer, uh, whatever they're talking about the different layers of the brains. Uh, so basically there's like the reptile brain, you know, feed, fight and procreate, uh, kind of things. Then there's a mammalian brain, maybe call it, let's call it the dog brain, then a little bit of social activity and, and a little bit of higher level organization. Then there's the human level brain, you know, the speech, the organization, blah, blah, blah. And then we could have, you know, potentially with these, uh, BCIs, we could have like the internet level brain. We could have like global intelligence, uh, and so all of these could be almost like it's a stack in the brain. You know, we can eat and have conversations. We could also potentially have, I don't know, uh, inter interplanetary communications or something like this at the same time, uh, all in the same brain. So that, that's kind of the promise. That That's something else that he uh, Elon mentioned. But, uh, and I think that's a little bit more realistic or feasible in my eyes, but yeah, protecting against AI. Do you think that the way that we interact with uh, computers going forward is going to be not through you know, mouse and keyboard is going to be through, you know, a, a non-invasive BMI potentially, or some sort of PNI. Cause there was a company called control labs that was made by this guy, Thomas Reardon. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it, you know, you made a wristband that you could control a computer with your thoughts. Is, is that like how we're all going to interact with computers or is that still like very, very, very sci-fi? It likely won't happen for another 30 years. Yeah, I think, I think that could, that could definitely work. And, and uh, that is, it is very promising. My thinking is, things are going to get so predictive and so good that you won't even have to do this. Like right now we have to, you know, uh, it'll be even better than, than like, you know, Star Trek, like you come into a room with like computer, turn lights on. It'll just, 
turn on and, and everything will be that, that much more intuitive. And I think that's, that's a much smaller ask. Like, Hey, put this thing in your body. Like, like let's, it could be, it could be tiny. Like put this, put this coin size thing in your body and, and things will be faster and you can you know, control things with that versus just the computer knowing. Uh, and I think at some point the, the intuitive aspect, you know, the Alexa, 5.0 is going to be that much that much better that, that we don't have to you know ask for anything it, it's just it's just kind of given almost like tiktok videos that like but but for everything so wait so okay so the the bci wouldn't actually read any of your neural signals it would just be um it would be something that predicts what you want I'm saying that outside computers will be so good at the predicting that you don't need a BCI or that the benefit of a BCI is, is very minimal. Uh, my, my thinking, I, I, I like the, the PNI, the, the peripheral nerve, you know, health, uh, based thing of, you know, basically interfacing with, let's call it the global internet. And that's, that's kind of the more, the, the bigger use case, you know, this matrix level style, you know, input, output. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe it'll work. I think again, Moore's law, Stevenson's law, Moore's law is going to be doubling that's so much faster, so much more than, than the Stevenson's law. So things are just, these are going to get really insane with AI is, is what I'm, I'm saying. Interesting. Interesting. And do you see AI's evolution and BCI's evolution as highly correlated or you see them as kind of like kind of separate things? Yeah. Like I suggested earlier is, is, a uh, I think, AI's evolution might get so good eventually that it pulls along uh, the BCI evolution. And it'll be like, AI will tell us like, hey, use this material, do this and do this and do this. And it'll give us the answers to the test, essentially. And and then we'll be able to like, you know, do doublings every four years, or maybe even every four months, I don't know. And, and things will be pretty crazy. But yeah, AI is going to pull everything along with it. And I mean, molecular biology was synthetic biology and shoot, I don't know, like artificial biology or like kind of AI is going to pull everything else along and and because it's just it's just doubling so fast. So this, I, I think you kind of answered my question right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it anyways. So you know, what is gonna be in your mind the iPhone moment for BCIs? Is it gonna be some medical device that like cures the common cold for everybody, or is it gonna be like you know some device that comes with your next VR headset that allows you to like have the most immersive gaming experience of all time? Like you know, if you had to kind of paint the picture of when that iPhone moment is going to going to be and then what what is that use case going to be you know how, how does it look so i'm working on a i'm working on a start a startup that uh, i think will do this will be the iPhone moment uh, and can you can you tell us about it yeah i i think i i mean it, we're not necessarily public but but i'll say that it's it's for uh, sexual health and I think that'll be the big driving force that'll get, get neurotechnology on the radar. It'll be, you know, it'll be like the internet. Internet was built on sex and, you know, porn was, you know, the only form of payment processing, uh, that, that existed for like the first decade of the internet. And, you know, now, now we're very comfortable doing mortgages online, you know, all, all, all types of, uh, payment processing and, and whatever. So I think, I think. My theory, and and you know, I'm building a startup uh, to to back this up, is is that sex is going to be the <laughs> the big driver, and people will be like, you know, oh yeah, now this is a really good reason to get you know implanted to be to become a sex god, essentially. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're 100 percent right. I think what is it? They say like all the vices are the um, are like the main drivers of a lot of technologies. 
So, so, and I think sex is like the most, everyone does it, right? Everyone, everyone has sex. We're all here because of sex, right? So I think that going after that market specifically is, is genius because it's like the world's largest market probably. Um, can, can you, can you dig a little bit deeper in that or you want to keep it kind of high level for now and we can you know, talk offline? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we can talk about it offline, but, uh, basically it'd be an implantable device, partially implantable device that, that would, you know, uh, be able to, you know, improve your sexual performance, you know, actual orgasm. And so it would be, uh, it'd be kind of a magical thing for that, I guess. And then, and then a big, I guess, selling point too, is that you could pair the device with a partner and get simultaneous orgasms every time. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, obviously that sounds very magical. Is this a BCI or is this a PNI or both? PNI. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And this is something that would go in your body or it'd go outside your body. Uh, in, in your body. Okay. Very cool. Wow. I'm, I'm excited, excited to learn more. You're gonna have to come back on in the future and kind of t- tell us the whole story of that. Cause that's, that sounds super, super cool. Yeah. Once we're, once we go public, hopefully in the next few months, uh, I'll be able to talk more about it. Amazing. So are there any common misconceptions about BCIs that, um, that, that, that the general public have that you think is just kind of like totally overblown? I think basically, uh, there's not many conceptions because not many people know about it. And, uh, so yeah, I think I think that's the big thing. <laughs> there's not there's not nothing to dispel, I guess. <laughs> you know, if you had to choose one specific danger or like major downside of BCIs, what would that what would that be? Yeah, something that I've noticed is there's something called the hype cycle. So basically, th- this happens with a lot of things. Is that uh, the Gardner hype cycle? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then and then yeah. Yeah, the trough wave d- uh, d- disillusionment and then, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, your, your focus is, uh, you know, VR and NFTs and everything like this. So I think, uh, I think you're going through this right now, uh, these, these fields and, and there's huge hype and then uh, trough of disillusionment, and then it's going to come back to, to reality. And, and so it's going to, it's going to raise. And I think that's, you know, I think neurotech is going to be doing this as well. Inevitable. I mean, there are factors that can hype it more, uh, add to the, add to the hype, but, uh, that could be a problem that you know if, if it is if it is um you know too hyped and then people like abandon it for a decade or two or something like this i think that could be a problem because i think it's a much slower cycle than something like you know nfts or something like this because it is regulated and there's there's much more moving parts uh again stevenson's law versus moore's law uh basically it's going to be happening five times slower than something like an nft or something like this but but uh that that to me is the biggest thing and and uh i mean I don't think NFTs. I think NFTs and and the the VR and everything like this. They're not yet. They're they're the the trough of disillusionment, and they're they're going to come back to where they should be. Uh, but I guess I guess you you can be the expert to speak to that. What what do you think? Or did I just offend you? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. We started talking about metaverse in 2019, and we started talking about NFTs in 2019. And like metaverse was an alien thing, and NFTs were like super alien. 2021, we were like the bee's knees. Like everyone wanted to talk to us. And then 2022, it was like dead, and 2023 is like even more dead, right? Um, but yeah, the, the the theses that bring us to the conclusions that hey, property rights online, uh, digital property rights online you know, through NFTs is going to be really important. That's still the same. The metaverse is is a pretty nebulous de- definition, and we're, we're you know I, it changes for me like every every month. There's like a new definition, but um, essentially a more digital future, like a more immersive internet. Uh, well, as a very simplistic way to, to, to describe the metaverse, like that's happening like all around us, right? So th- that, that's also undeniable. 
just that term now is like kind of not cool. Um, so yeah, no, totally, totally experienced that. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Gardner hype cycle or just the hype cycle in general, neurotech, it's not, not there yet, but I, I could imagine the, exactly what we're talking about. I could imagine people saying, Oh my God, this is going to cure everything. And you know, it going completely crazy, which it will, but it's going to take, you know, some, some amount of years. Yeah. To, to, to totally, totally see that. So last question before the closing questions, metaverse, how, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? How do you think about the metaverse? What even is the metaverse to you? And, you know, do BCIs play a role in the metaverse? Yeah, I think metaverse is, uh, is good. It has a future. Uh, but Unfortunately, there was one company that sucked everything up. And unfortunately, I think it also prevented creative ideas from uh, being, you know, formed and, and, you know, the little seedlings, the little things that, that shouldn't be alive that are, that are like growing in the concrete, the little weed that's growing in the concrete or something like this. I think that there wasn't uh, a chance for, for things like that to grow because of uh, the one big company sucking everything up. Uh, I think it could be a, a huge future. I, I have a different, uh, I, I think the AR is uh, augmented reality is kind of a, a better stepping stone. And that to me is really cool. And I think something like an overlaid, you know, conference or, or something like this. And, and I can see people's stats or like how I know them, have we talked and emails or whatever, having an overlay of that would be amazing. And, but, but nobody, nobody's working on stuff like that. So definitely has a future and maybe, maybe BCS have a, have a role in that. That's probably still at least, at least 20, 30 years away though. Totally. Yeah, no, I mean, we're all hoping and praying that Apple's AR glasses really uh, crush it. But, you know, it's been delayed a couple of times. So, but, but if, if any company can pull it off, it's going to be Apple. So, so very excited. All right, Ladin, are you ready for the closing questions? Sure. Let's do it. All right. What are you bearish on? And it, it could be anything. I would say, yeah, maybe, maybe metaverse, uh, momentarily, like these next, these next few years. Uh, yeah. What are you bullish on? And it can't be BTS. It's too obvious. Uh, I think. I think AI is, is going to like, I mean, and this is kind of a, you know, easy answer, I guess, but uh, there's not anybody that I guess would disagree. Things are going to get insane. Like things are going to get legitimately just, you know, basically the last hundred years of progress in, in five years or something, 10 years. And it's going to be, it's going to be insane. Like how, how much things are going to change. It's going to be insane. And we can't even, we, we don't even know what's going to come. I love that. All right. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I don't know. Just, just follow what you want to do, I guess. And, and uh, don't count the hours, do something where you don't count the hours. And Ooh, uh, I think that's, that's the big thing that that'll, you know, keep you motivated even in the, in the trough of disillusionment, you know, when everybody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, no, there's a future here. Trust me. <laughs> I love that. All right. What trait most defines who you are? Uh, I think, I think I don't care what people think. Uh, about me. And this is, you know, back to the very beginning, uh, speak six languages that that's, that's partially because like, I don't mind sounding like an idiot and you're always going to sound like an idiot. And anytime you start something new, you're going to be, you know, this baby stage idiot level stage. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, just, just, uh, embrace it, I guess. <laughs> Love that. All right. Last question. What motivates you? what I want to work on and, and both in the PhD uh, for the longevity of the, the neural implants and, you know, the startup is I want to get neurotechnology out there and it's not panacea. It's not, you know, the magic bullet for everybody, but I want to get it on the radar and I think it'll be a very exciting opportunity 
for for many people. And uh, yeah, basically just get on the radar of of everybody, I guess. Amazing, awesome, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute blast. I feel like I, I just learned, you know, just gobs and gobs of information that I had no idea before. So thank you. If you, if you want to plug in, I don't know your, I don't know people want to contact you. If you want to plug, like I don't know your Twitter, your podcast, whatever, you, uh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So uh, you know you can contact me I, or uh, the Neural Implant Podcast. If you want to get deeper into this, I I do interviews with. Uh, you know, researchers in this field, and it is it is a bit more high level. But at the same time, we want to don't want to be like you know naming off protein combinations and whatever. Like it's it's to the level where you could be doing dishes at the same time and and still be able to uh, you know understand what's going on. Uh, but but we do go deeper into it. And then I guess neural implant podcast at gmail.com, That's a good way uh, through that to to contact me. But uh, yeah, happy to happy to answer questions and and uh, I, I enjoy this. I really enjoy this and and I like uh, you know kind of giving the primer. It's it's fun. Amazing. All right, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it.